the Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am your host, Joe. And we're here today to talk about episode 503 entitled Free Will. Yeah, well, and better late than ever. Yeah, um, we are We are a couple days late, but we're very, very excited. We watched the episode last night together. Together. We were very jet-lagged, but we watched it together anyways. First time. I don't know that we've ever actually no, we've, watched no. it first time together. No. Megan usually watches it once, gets yep. a clean run, yep. and then I watch. But I think uh, this is the first time we ever went in together. Yeah, and as a result, we did have to pause sometimes, rewind Watch it again. Special treat. Yeah. Special treat. Yes. Yeah. So this episode begins with a cold open and it's Claire working on her penicillin with Marcelie asking a ton of questions, which Claire is kind of struggling and juggling to answer because, you know, Marcelie is asking very logical questions like, how do you know what you're looking for? And what's right. the end game and how do you know about this and and she can't be like well i was a triage nurse in a war that won't happen for a long time and then i became a doctor in a time you've never heard of and done all kinds of weird space things compared to you but the good thing here is that uh Marsley seems really interested in it she's, she's interested really feeling and she's it. smart and i like that about yeah. Marsley. and then the other thing that i like is that we have um Claire's voiceover in this episode, something that you had... I've been missing it. You've been missing it. You'd requested it, and... Here and it is. Here it is, and while she's doing her voiceover, there it shows sort of a moldy time lapse. Yeah, Of yeah. the piece of bread slowly evolving into more and more of a chunky green piece of mold. And, and you actually doubts... You actually doubted that Claire would be able to produce penicillin. I just feel like, um, I mean, she is super Claire a lot of times, but, and this is like within her large, I, I'll, let's, let's go ahead and call it ego, that she would be able to reproduce uh, penicillin. I, maybe I'm wrong. And I assume that if Diana Gabaldon, who is a scientist, wrote this, then maybe it is true. But I just, I just feel like, any doctor can't just reproduce any like synthesized yeah. medicine. I, I just I, maybe I'm wrong. Claire's maybe... extra smart though, and she's well, a surgeon, and they always talk about how she's very good with you know touching things or people and having the right feeling and instinct as to what to do. I mean, here, here's the thing: you just when you said that you doubted that she would be able to produce the penicillin, they do a close up on her face. She looks down with her magnifying glass and then looks back up and says, "Damn!" So she couldn't do it. Right? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if she does it later or what, but I just feel like if I ever got stranded on a deserted island with a doctor and we just happen to have sixty-five loaves of bread with us, that doctor is not making me penicillin. I could be wrong, but maybe, maybe that doctor is making me penicillin. Maybe. So this episode was directed by someone named Jamie Payne. And I actually really liked the way this was directed. How did you feel about the direction in this episode? I mean, overall, I actually, I enjoyed this episode. I liked the look, the feel of it. I, I liked the whole thing. So more Jamie Payne. Written by, drum roll please, our friend Luke Shellhas, who I have criticized, but I also really liked this episode. Yeah. So maybe he sort of got the hang of it. I don't know. Well, I'm going to make a comment on uh, on the entire team towards the end of the podcast, but and that will include uh, Mr. Schnellhaus. So then we have the opening credits, and then the title shot, and it's 
called Free Will, and we have, uh, I thought it was a chicken. It's actually a pig, and it's Marcelie taking care of the pig. Which is kind of a weird... Taking care of in terms of, like, butchering. Butchering it. Which is sort of an interesting uh, shot, because it doesn't really play that much into the episode. Well, I think it's supposed to represent free will and how some people have freedom and some people don't. And life at this time is very, very hard. I mean, in order to eat, you have to butcher a pig. That's that's tough times. I'll buy that. But I still don't see how it ties into the episode. And that's fine. Well, remember we watched that um, clip of Matthew B. Roberts and he was talking just about how in the, within this episode, because some people do have free will and some people don't have free will, it really sort of brings forth Claire's desire for Brianna and Roger to go back and to go back to the future. I do. And one of the things that they did throughout this episode is show how harsh life at this time was. And part of that is just looking at people's everyday life experiences you want to eat, you've got to take a pig and kill it and then chop it up with a large axe. Like, that's that's a tough life. True. I still don't see how that shot ties into the episode. <laughs> All, everything you're saying is true, but it still, still is not foreshadowing in any way whatsoever, except for the fact that we do see a shot of Marceline butchering a pig. So I well, guess, It foreshadows clop, clop. the conversation that Claire and Jamie have later on in the episode. You know what? I'm just going to agree and move on. <laughs> okay. So Jamie comes home. Claire is sleeping. He walks in, stands over her. Well, first he leaves his um, his gunpowdered musket right next to her burning candle, yeah. which we both noted. Um, and we also noticed that when they show him arriving on Fraser, Fraser's Ridge, the shot of it is really similar in angle and appearance to all the shots that they used to show of Lallybrock. Yeah, you you noted that. Yeah. Anyway, so Jamie comes home and there's a very sweet moment between um, he and Claire. They're both happy to see each other and they embrace and I really liked it. I mean, for me, it stood out as a little weird because some man walked into Claire's unlocked door and was standing over and she's like, oh, who? Oh, Jamie. It's like, (laughs) did you expect some, first of all, someone else? Like, is that not a little weird that a man was standing over you that you didn't immediately recognize as Jamie? And you're like, oh. And then you, you know, like I think she, she just heard a rustle. She out? heard a noise. A little scared, maybe. I don't know. And Could she turned, and it was it was Jamie, and she was so happy to see him. And I really, really like the dynamic between them in the scene and the chemistry. And this is all I need for Jamie and Claire moments. I just need these sweet sort of, you know, married life couple moments between them. I will. I would say that this is the best Jamie and Claire episode of the past two seasons. Oh wow! What about in season three? when she was shipwrecked on the island and she saw his boat and shone the mirror and he got off the boat and they ran towards each other on the beach and embraced. I actually had to take some sort of stomach medication that made me I so I love nauseous. that scene. But I'm talking about uh, the last two, so like season oh, four season and four season five. four and season five. Hmm, season four. Yeah, season four wasn't a strong season. For them though, like where they had interactions together and... yeah. And- raucous adventures right so then they sit down and jamie basically updates claire on everything that's going on explaining it's not great explaining what's going on with the scots they have an army they're not afraid to face death he says we need to get more prepared we're going to start trying to recruit men i got to get back on the road i'm going to take roger and claire says i'm coming with you you need my help yeah and i believe i said that generally i would say that's super stupid (laughs) 
And in previous seasons, I would be like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you go off and fight in the way? And it would make no sense. But honestly, I just want to get Claire out of that damn house. I know. So I'm so I was actually so excited when she's like, I'm coming along. I'm like, great. That's yeah. so cool. Well, Good. we need our heroine to be taking action. Yeah. And to I'm do... going to need some heroin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, cause, I mean, her argument is I'm a physician. Obviously, there's going to get people, you know, people are going to be injured. You need my help. But so she she finishes the sentence with you need my help. And he says, I always have, which I thought was perfect and such a nice nod to their entire relationship, including when they first met and she popped his shoulder back in. And then he says... And I always will. And that was a bit too far for me. It crossed I liked, the line it from did. sentimental to cornball. It did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, I really liked their interaction. Yeah, except for that cornball sequence. And it would have been just fine if he had stated, I always have. Because that's a little wink, wink, nod, nod. But then for him to say, and I always will. It's like, no, we know. We know that part. But you know what? We shouldn't be complaining. Because this was a great episode and overall really good writing. Right. Strong acting. I believe so. And I just want to note that I feel like if that scene had happened in seasons, I don't know, one through three, mm-hmm. they would have had sex. There would have been, or Jamie would have gotten undressed or like there would have been like mm-hmm. a reason for Jamie to mm-hmm. take his shirt off or something. And that, that shit does not happen anymore in this show. Well, it, I mean, it certainly did in the episode one of but season not like five. But not like it would have in previous seasons. I, I know what you're saying. And I think in season three and season four, they kind of gratuitously inserted sex scenes where they weren't needed because people had complained about season two not having enough. So season three and season four, absolutely. Season five, we had, I mean, we had the sextage in episode one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like we're in we're in good shape. Yeah, totally. And I feel like this is sort of how you talk about how um, Sam Hewen and Katrina Balfour are getting more involved in this show. And uh, dare I say, stripping a little bit of the loin out of Loinlander. They're... Uh... The unnecessary loin, right? right? Like we get that their love is strong. And I think in this episode, more than a lot of episodes, I felt their strong love and their chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Without shirtless With- scenes or sucking on soapy uh, face cloths, you know, all that sexy <laughs> stuff that happens in this show. It's not, it just wasn't, they didn't cram it in mm-hmm. literally or figuratively. Oh, very clever. Thank you. Okay. So then the next day. Fergus gets a line in the episode. He and Jamie are talking. Mm-hmm. Jamie says he needs all men between 16 and 60 to help. And he needs Fergus to get a piece of paper and write down the information and send it to the printer. Fergus pulls a Roger. Does the dumbest thing he can. Yeah. We don't know what's on that piece of paper, but I'm pretty sure it's either Claire's... Uh, uh, my guess would be, I mean, book, bookies out there know already probably, but uh, I'm guessing it's either Claire's medical, hot medical tips or her penicillin I'm wondering recipe. if it's her penicillin formula. Yeah, yeah. which I guess would be fine because it doesn't work. But but obviously, Fergus is, I'm going to guess, get the wrong thing printed. Why else would they do that? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it's going to just, mayhem will ensue. Yep. Then Claire comes out. They're all saying goodbye. Claire is wearing just the coolest looking coat in the world. Jamie hands her a gun and she just sticks it in her belt. She looked great. I just want to go back to that Fergus thing for a second though. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Back to the whole like they hate Fergus thing. Like they literally, that whole scene is just to find Fergus something to do. 
That's like, a good point. Completely yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. It's it's purely just like this character, this actor is on the payroll. We need to have them do something. And it's like they sent him to get stuff printed. We might not see him for three episodes. Who knows how long he's going to be in Wilmington. Yeah. Like, like they're just giving him a reason to not be on screen. In my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, I don't know why, but I think you're right. They've they've made Marcelie front and center without her partner. Yeah. And I'll tell you, in the books, and it is starting to get fuzzy for me because I haven't read them that thoroughly at this point, but Marcelie and Fergus are a unit. They're together. They're not a together unit in this. No. Tell me, uh, bookies out there mm-hmm. and, and, and Loinlander listeners, are you happy with the portrayal of Fergus? Is this... Is this accurate? Like, you, uh, we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, hullabaloo about Claire and Jamie and Roger and Brianna and blah, blah, blah. But no no one ever comments about Fergus. Do you like Fergus? Do you care? Do you even yeah. care? Good question. I want to know, too. I mean, John Quincy Myers got better lines in this in this episode than whoever plays Fergus. Yeah. Love John Quincy Myers. I know. You were excited to see him. Anyway, sorry. Claire and a so, gun. Right. So Claire, the gun. She's got a gun. She's got a, a knife. Mm-hmm. Action Claire. She's wearing an amazing coat. She's got her hair in a ponytail. Jamie also has a great coat on. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on this. That one of, We thought that this, uh, I don't know how deep a lot of you go, uh, and I do know it's deep, but um, one of the things about this season that I thought was going to be a detraction was that Ronald D. Moore's wife, Terry Terry Dressback, mm-hmm. and I know this because Megan educates me on all these things, mm-hmm. uh, is a costume designer. And the whole reason Ronald D. Moore did this show, I'm just proving that I listen when Megan tells me these <laughs> things, uh, is because his wife was really into the books and all that kind of stuff. And she was the costume designer on the show. And she has done some fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. costuming and work, especially season two, mm-hmm. uh, the half that I watched where they were in Paris. Mm-hmm. The costumes look fantastic. But, so I thought, oh, okay, well, she left. So she's not on the show this season at all. But whoever they got is doing a hell of a job because the costumes in this episode I thought were fantastic. Yeah. Well, I follow her, Terry Dressback, on social media. And she has also been really promoting and complimenting the costume designer. So I think that she had a pretty big say in who she was handing it over to. Yeah, I don't know who. Maybe it was her, like, protege. or Yeah, I'm sure she probably recoded someone. Yeah. So then Brianna comes on screen and... Joe immediately says, Mama. <laughs> Stuck in my head now. I can't get that out. Um, and she says goodbye to Claire. They hug. You pointed out that um, you love Brianna's hair. And you said, if that's a wig, it looks great. And I said, it is a wig for sure. Because Sophie Skelton has very dark hair, brown it's eyes. A good wig. It's, it's a I really, thought, yeah. Like, also, the wig work in this episode was pretty good. Jamie's wig looks great. Jamie's wig looks so good. Yeah. Then um, after saying goodbye to Claire, Brianna goes and says a goodbye to Roger and they have a really sweet moment. He makes some sort of joke like that's the pioneer spirit we're looking for and they kind of giggle together. And that's the kind of chemistry I'm looking for that I saw a lot in season two and season three and have not seen at all since. So I thought that was a really nice moment. Yeah. And this is um, the third episode in a row. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. No, there was a bit in season in episode one. Sorry. So, but this is the second episode in the row that mm-hmm. I have not seen Dark Streak Roger. Oh yeah. So I don't know if they're consciously writing him differently. I hope they are. Uh, I don't know if people are liking this, but the main thing that I didn't like about Roger, other than the fact that they make him look like a buffoon most of the time, is Dark Streak Roger, where yeah. he seems like a mean dude. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen that at all. 
Well, and I don't know, were you paying attention to Roger's reaction to the Beardsley Beardsley twins? No. Because he he seemed like quite an innocent. He seemed like an innocent historian from the 1970s. He just kind of stood up and he was like very taken aback even when they were yelling thief and, you know, cuz right. he had he was he was definitely like a gentle historian in that scene. He wasn't at all dark streak or anything. He was just kind of standing and you could see he wasn't quite sure what to do. Yeah, uh, um, it's true. I, I do remember that. Just to go back to the wigs for a second, mm-hmm. the Beardsley kids' wigs are awful. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Like it looks. Well, they like, have the bangs. They have those bangs. It's like an old timey. They just found a mop from mm-hmm. the eighteen hundreds and put it on their heads. Like also, I, they look like Kira Knightley. Oh, I do not see that. Both of them. She's look a very like charming actress, but uh, Kira Knightley. not looks nothing like the Beardsley twins. Okay, let's go back a little bit. So they all say their goodbyes, and then. Uh, Jamie and Claire leave on their horses and it shows their journey with the other men on horseback and the close-up shots of the horse's feet. And all of this, all of these scenes reminded me are very reminiscent of the garrison commander. Mm. And that's the episode where Dougal in season one forces Claire to join the men as they go to collect all of the rent. Right. So I guess it would have actually been the episode Rent 105. Say, yeah, on. when they first leave. You were going to correct me on I'm my I'm correcting right. you on okay. episode titles. That so is So it's episode so 105 sad, Rent folks. and it's they all God. walk out together and it just really really was reminiscent of that. And it excited me because that's when we're first introduced to Ned Gowan and that was the episode when I realized I loved Outlander. So I like that there's a journey and that Jamie and Claire are on it together. Yeah, get off that damn farm. I know. And then on this journey, right at the very beginning, Jamie pulls Claire aside and tells her that Stephen Bonnet is alive. Yeah. And Claire's reaction is, does Brie know? And Jamie says no. And she's like, she says, well, that's one small blessing. But it's not. You and I were both like rolling our eyes like, no, guys, that's not a blessing. And then you said, no, no, you need to know your rapist's alive or dead status. That's important. Yeah, exactly. Like, also, you gotta know. Yeah, this was the biggest misunderstanding, problematic situation for a lot of the last half of season four because of who knows that he's alive, who knows that he isn't. Who knows that she was raped? Is it Stephen Bonnet? Is it Roger? Like, that was a real issue. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that was, like, the issue. It, that caused Roger's ass-whooping. Roger being sold to the, uh, was it the Mohawk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. A, a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things came from that piece yeah. of confusion. So for her to respond with, well, that's one small blessing. <laughs> it's like, groan. Did yeah. anyone else feel like that? I did. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. So then they're sitting around the camp. And they're telling frozen dick jokes, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Claire's into it. She's right in there with the <laughs> locker room humor. Yeah, she's she's contributing even. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, but one of the men refers to Jamie as McDo. Yeah, one of them does. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is just kind of a nod to his time in the prison. Yeah, and refresh my memory. Whatever happened to McDo number one and McDo number two? Did they die? They both died. The first guy died at the very beginning of... Season four, remember Jamie watched him hang and smiled at him right before mm. he hung. And then, um, oh, in that same episode, then McDo number two had his throat slit by Stephen Bonnet oh, while right. he tried to get the rings from Claire. Right. The so McDo's. they both died That's right. in that first first episode of season four. Okay. So during this period of the book, 
I believe Jamie had a cough, a horrible racking cough. And my memory of them traveling with these men is that Diana Gabaldon referred to it so many times and Claire is caring for him. And I remember at one point he's like coughing and coughing and I was thinking, is this a sign of something? Is something going to happen to Jamie? But no, it's just that he had a cold during this period of time and he's so sick, but they still have sex in the camp. Like, of course they do. Even yeah. though he's so sick, he right. can barely breathe. They still have sex. And I think that that's what the true book readers are looking for. Like no matter what the circumstances, they just do it. Well, that's what I was referring to before earlier when Jamie comes home. That was a just do it moment. Oh, and they, you're right. Yeah. And they didn't just do it. Right. That yeah. was a perfect opening and they didn't fit. But it's it. not needed. Yeah. So then um, right after the, the next day, I guess, because it's in the daytime when you see the first of the Beardsley twins running with no pants on because he didn't yeah. want to disturb the kittens we who are sleeping on his trousers. Mm hmm. Was it, it was, it was in the day, right? I've only the, watched the episode the early, once. Early morn. Right. Or at least that was what it looked like. And then his twin follows him and we learn the sad tale of they came over with their entire family on the ship and everyone died except these twins and now they are indentured servants to the Beardsleys. Yeah, the captain, I believe, sold the twins to this douche. Yes. Beardsley. Jamie plans on helping them, of course, but he's going to buy the rest of their years of indentured slavery right. so that they can be free and just live and work for him yeah, well, as and Freeman. The, the one brother is deaf because their Mr. Beardsley beat him in the ears so many times yeah. he has ruptured eardrums. Both of them. Like, that's yeah. awful. That is awful. So then Jamie and Claire go up to the Beardsley's house. And what were your thoughts? Like, what were your thoughts when they walked up to the house? Because I remember reading this part of the book and just... Thinking to myself, what the fuck am I reading? Like, it is the most bizarre tale, I think. And could you sense that it was like a horror movie as soon as they yeah. walked up? Well, it's shot in a different style. It's shot in sort of a... You kind of get these sort of typical horror movie shots, like where the house is sort of like it's a low-angle shot pushing in, which you see very often in mm -hmm. horror movie kind of things. And just a lot of the... You get a lot of the shots where you... It, it almost... The camera set up almost like a POV where it's not so much uh, POV means point of view where y you have um, the camera, the way they shoot it, it's, you almost get the impression that it's someone looking at yeah. them, watching yeah. them, yeah. Not, not so much the camera, you know, tracking them, but, but actually you're looking through someone's eyes, which is always, again, sort of a typical horror movie kind of shot, but it plays, it makes it tense. The shots are tense. You know, the way that it's it's all put together, you're you're expecting something to happen. Yeah. So they see the house and then we go back to Roger, who's meanwhile mm -hmm. throughout all this, he's recruiting young men to fight. And he's talking to one of their mothers and you can see he's totally out of his element because she's very concerned and he said, I'll do everything I can to make sure they're home safely. He can't do that. He has right. no idea. And she knows. She's she like, knows, really? Yeah. He does well though. Does he, he? Well, I mean, he he doesn't lie and he's uh, he's honest. He just says what they need. And, you know, she said, he's like, I promise I'll take care of them. And she's like, oh, you know, will you now? And he's like, I'll do everything within my power. Right. Which is all, all you can promise. Yeah. Right? Which isn't a whole lot as and, we know. And for some, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll sing them to death, to death if, or I'll sing them as they die. Sing to them. Yeah. That didn't play well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh -huh. No, but he is a great singer. Yeah. Then back to the Beardsley's house. The wife, yeah. who at first just seems like a creepy, creepy woman, 
lets well she doesn't let Sam human and he barges his way through well and this is the horror movie thing again where you get like what like a jump scare right yeah. where he looks through the window oh, and he yeah. looks back and he looks away and just, she's yeah right and her there. face is just yeah, right, like there. right there and that's jamie's like, not scared though Ugh, can't I shake jamie. jamie no are you kidding no, no. can't shake him no um got a little lavender oil oh my goodness <laughs> you're so traumatized from that lavender oil that was a that was a scene that was a scene as was this though because then yeah. claire comes in and the smell, they go on and on about the smell and there's goats everywhere and she's covering her face, her eyes are watering and she can smell a decaying body. She goes up to the top. What is that? It's almost like a little... Well, she doesn't realize it's a decaying body until they shoo the goats out and then she sees like blood, is it? Dripping something or feces dripping. Or yeah, something. who knows what it is, dripping from the roof and she's like, what's upstairs? Yeah. Oh, and the, the wife just wants them to go away. She's like, take the boys, I don't care. Jamie's like, I need the papers. So yeah. she's looking for the papers, and then Claire, being Claire, grabs a candle and runs upstairs. As and... the woman says, don't go up there. Yeah. Guys, it's Claire. Claire she's, don't care. She's, <laughs> Claire don't care. She's going up. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we find this man who is just in the worst state. It's well, she so... thinks he's dead at first. Yeah, I mean, as do we all. He looks like a corpse. It's so disgusting and disturbing, and... Claire says, I can't leave him like this, even though we then learn that he's this horribly abusive man. Not only does he, you know, abuse those two young boys, he also is on his fifth wife, Mm -hmm. who's, he's, has he killed them all? He's killed them all because they can't give him a baby. Which means, obviously, that he's infertile. And he's been, yeah, and he's been so cruel to this Fanny? Yeah. So cruel to Fanny that she's basically, despite the fact that he had a stroke and fell to the floor, she's keeping him alive purely for the purpose of torturing him. It's so disgusting. The whole thing is so disturbing. Fanny's got issues. They realize that she's pregnant. (laughs) She has the baby. The baby's half black. Jamie is great at helping Claire deliver babies, as it turns out. Great nurse. He would have made an excellent nurse Mm -hmm. or midwife. That's right. Jamie Fraser. King of midwifery. Perhaps? <laughs> he could be. Um, so, yeah. The baby's half black. Claire asks... Claire and Francis have a heart-to-heart. She asks if the baby was born out of love. This is when she learns all of the horrors of the dead wives who he's buried under the tree. And it's just... It's depressing, disgusting, disturbing. It's all of those things. They don't get into her dalliance at all, though. They're not mm-hmm. really... She's like, I don't know if it was love. He was a nice just guy. Just a dude. Like, where did he come from? I don't know. Like, is he just like a traveling sex know. man that goes around? Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't get it. Like, you would think this show would key in on a traveling sex man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, where is this guy? And then Claire and Jamie get into the really meaty conversation of what kind of world is this to bring a baby into? Jamie responds, and Sam Hewen delivers this line flawlessly. It's the only world. Yeah, I love that line. Me too. Like, that. he's looking at her like, what do you... Reminder, I don't time travel. Right. Well, and I just feel like that again is is a is a a nice juxtaposition between their, you know, where they come from because that line, you know, that line, you know, what kind of a world is this to bring a a baby into? I feel like that is something that's I mean, maybe not commonly said, but mm-hmm. that's that's a fairly mm-hmm. standard, you know, you hear people being like, oh, I would never want to bring a baby into this kind of, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Whereas Jamie comes from a time where it's sort of, you know, that that's, yeah. you know, the world is a great place and yeah. you know, why wouldn't you? And yeah. before Twitter and things like that. Yeah. And then, and then Claire says to Jamie that she, she tells him she wants Brianna to go back and she, 
Jamie, you can see he's like very, he does, no, he hates the idea, hates it. Totally. And then Claire, why wouldn't he hate you know, it? It's, yeah, I feel very badly for him. And then Claire says, um, Roger feels the same way. And Jamie's face, <laughs> and do you know what he says? Of course, of course he, does. he does. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Jamie gets so annoyed when she says that. Well, here's the thing though, I was thinking about this. It's also a little bit selfish of Claire because she can travel through the stones. So even. I know though. she can't, quote unquote, yeah. but but I'm saying she still could. She could try. Jamie can't travel through the stones. So if she sends them to the future and she really wants to give it a shot. Like if she misses them in 10 years, she can try and go. Like if they're gone, they're lost from Jamie forever. Yeah. they're Essentially, they're dead to him. Yeah. They're gone forever. Where at least Claire, you know, I know she thinks it might kill her or whatever, but she could try. You know, like that. the option's still on the table. Yeah. So for her, it's easier, I think that character to be like, yeah, they should go. Because even if she thinks it's she can't do it, still in the back of her mind, it's Claire. Like, come on. Yeah. What can't Claire do? Yeah, that's a really good point. Then it's nighttime. <laughs> this part grossed me out so Super. much. They light a fire and Jamie and Claire lie down right beside the man who smells so badly that their eyes had been watering. And they sleep there all night right beside this man. I will just mm -hmm. remind everyone that this man was lying in his own shit for a long <laughs> a time. Two hours ago. I mean, he's... This decaying, rotting, burnt Yeah, like he man. is... And they just sleep right beside... Like they just spoon mm -hmm. and light a fire and just nice and warm and cozy I'm in slightly this... Slightly surprised they didn't have sex. In this house that is full of... It has to be full of goat shit. And yeah. also this tortured decaying body of a mm -hmm. man like that seemed very bizarre to me it seemed very bizarre to me too like i don't know where else they would have slept i don't know There's either like airbnb i don't know they couldn't go sleep in the barn with the kittens i don't know but that did seem weird right but i want to go back just a few uh just a, another scene before uh and this again goes back to what i always say about how this do uh, this job this show does a great job i feel of casting Really good secondary actors. Like, I really liked the actress that played Fanny. I thought she did a great, she was, great job. She was great. And she had one of the best lines in the episode. <gasps> she did. Right, because Claire was like, you're a mother now, I believe is what it was. Yes. And she said to her, and she delivered the shit out of this line. She said, just because you can have a baby doesn't make you a mother. Yeah. And I might be paraphrasing a bit, but it was something along those lines. And it was it was a great And line. then she said the same way you can sleep in a stable and not be a horse. Right. Exactly. That's what it was. And I thought, I was like, wow, that's really good writing. The yeah. same person who wrote that wrote that. I uh, always have and I and always, always will. will line. I mean, <laughs> theoretically. So anyway, that was that was a really good line. And I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to note, uh, you know, I just wanted to say I really like that writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really good writing. And then they went to sleep. And then they went to sleep. They wake up. Big surprise. Fanny has left the building. Right. She does not want to be a mother. She does not want to be a mother. She's left the baby. Mm -hmm. And the... Indentured in servitude papers and the deed to the house, which means she's saying... Because Claire also noted that, you know, when Fanny's like, I have nothing. She's like, well, you're a homeowner. You know, you're, you own this land. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And she's like, fuck all y'all. I'm out of here. Yeah. So Claire wraps the baby up carries the baby outside because Jamie says he wants to give Mr. Beardsley the option of dying. And yeah. at first, Claire says, like, she's taken aback. And he says, and he delivers this line so well, I'd do it for a dog. 
Yeah, I love that line too. Yeah. And it's true. It's it's very on point for Jamie Fraser. Yeah. So he sends Claire out of the house. Yeah. And uh, what did you think about this scene where he is saying blink one? And you can, they make reference to Jamie's religion. He puts the cross up on the fireplace mantle before he walks over. Mm-hmm. He asks him, like, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you want me to do it? The guy and he says, just to be clear, that baby's not yours, right? Yeah. Because that would give someone reason to continue suffering right. sort of thing. Right. Yeah, and I thought, it was, again, I thought the guy that played Beardsley, despite the fact that he had no lines and could only act with his uh, blinking eyes, did a bang-up job. I actually feel like I recognize the guy. I know. I need to go, I need to go look it up, but uh, I feel like he's a character actor that's been in a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, so he he basically does the whole blink once for yes, blink twice for no, and he essentially says, you know, do you want me to to end this? And he says yes, and then he gives him the option again, being the good God fearing man that Jay Frey is. He's he says, you know, I can't, you know, would you like to pray essentially and try and pray for forgiveness for your sins? And the guy says no. Which either means that he knows he's a horrible jerk off and he deserves to go to hell, or alternatively, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Which could be, oh, yeah, could be in character. You know, if you—that's a really good interpretation. Yeah, I mean, if you killed four of your wives and you're that much of an asshole, you probably feel pretty entitled about what you do. So who knows? We'll never know. Yeah, and then the gunshot. Yeah, we go. It cuts to the outside of the house. We hear we hear the gunshot. Claire just looks up and there's a bajillion birds uh, fly out. Fleeing Lu- pigeons. Yeah, fleeing pigeons. Apparently the loudest gun in the world. Scares uh, from the inside of the house. <laughs> scares literally billions of pigeons uh, and they go flying. It's like the birds. Alfred Hitchcock. And then Jamie walks out. And I actually really liked this conversation between Jamie and Claire too. He Because they talk about their lives ending, right? And he said, my dad had a stroke. And Jenny told me he yeah. wasn't in any pain and didn't suffer. Right. Apoplexy. Right. called it back then. But yeah. And do you remember how his dad died or where his dad died? Not a clue. So his dad was at Jamie's second flogging. Oh, okay. So they flash back to it and it shows his dad next to Dougal. Yeah. And when it gets to the part where Jamie's skin is falling off his body and Jamie passes out and blood comes out of his mouth, his dad thinks he's dead and his dad had a stroke and falls over. But he was always told that there was no pain and it was really quick. But now that Jamie's seen this disgusting Beardsley man, he's like, is that, is that what actually happened? And Claire assures him that Mm -hmm. Jenny would have told him the truth, which made me kind of miss Jenny. I know you said that. You said, I really miss Jenny. Yeah, we there's still room to bring Jenny back, and old Ian. Hell, I take young Ian and Rolo. I know. We'll see what happens there. So overall, it was a great episode. The scene with Mr. Beardsley was a bit long for me, and I could barely look at that actor on the TV because I found it so disturbing, and there was a lot of close-ups on his face. Um, but it was a good episode. It was heavy on Jamie and Claire. It was almost all Jamie and Claire. Yep. Um, Very little Brianna. Very little Brianna. Very little Roger. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was very well done. I thought it was strong. This is the second strong episode in a row. And so this is what I was implying about with, uh, you know, what I was saying about Luke Shellhaus is that obviously a lot of people were disappointed by what happened last season. The fans were very vocal. 
and they've obviously decided to make some changes and I but I have heard that a lot of the diehard fans are kind of have been disappointed by a few of these episodes these newer episodes and I'm wondering if um what what you know because I've been dogging Matthew B Roberts and you know Luke Schnellhaus and Meryl all these Davis. people uh, yeah, all these people about, you know, all these the terrible choices they make and that sort of thing. But these last two episodes have been really good. And it makes me think, well, maybe they're actually just not very good at making a bad TV show. But when they actually take the reins off and say, okay, we're not going to worry about necessarily trying to cram in all this shit for, you know, the you know the loin landers that, that you know, they just want to see Topless Jamie and all that kind of stuff. We're just going to concentrate on story and actually, uh, you know, make a, a good show, you know, and that sort of thing. Be damned, look what they can do. Yeah. Look what these guys can do when they don't have to, you know, get some, some loining in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I mean, there's probably still fan service that we're missing. Like, I did notice that someone told us that the old couple was, what are they called? Mr. and Mrs. Bug. The Bugs. And they were mentioned when she, she when Claire was saying yeah. goodbye, she said them by name. She named her And you noted it. I did, cause, and I, <laughs> but I would never have noted or cared if one of our uh, lovely Loinland there listeners had not uh, say that five times faster had uh, <laughs> had noted on our Facebook group that you know about the, that they were probably the bugs and in fact they were nice they work were the bugs nice work, loins that's right um, yeah so but anyway the, these last couple episodes have been very story heavy very loin light and very strong I agree I actually kind of care. That's really, really good. That's right. So what would you rate this episode as? I'm going to give it a solid 65. 65? I don't know why I got Irish there. But, uh, <laughs> so okay. less than last episode? Yeah, I gave the last one like 70 something. I got bonus points for being surprising. Right. Uh, but This yeah. one 65? 65, which is still pretty good. Okay. Like it was a solid episode of episodic TV. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would give this maybe a 70, 75. Seems it was so. really well done, but it's not an episode that I would watch again, like ever. I never, I won't watch this again. There's too many shots of that gross tortured man. Well, this is what I will tell you about the last two episodes of Outlander. And this plays to your like loin love. Yeah. Is that the last two episodes are quite different stylistically and thematically from a lot that has happened in the four seasons previous. And I feel like if we had just started watching this show yeah, and it just started here, you wouldn't watch it. No. I feel, I feel oh, like, why would anybody watch it at this point? No. Well, you know what I mean? Like if you just came in fresh without, yeah, I, without all the yeah. backstory, I feel like the, what these, the setting and what these characters are doing, if you didn't know anything about them or their backstory. And I'm not just saying if you started watching in season five, I'm just saying if they, if they started fresh Mm -hmm. and the very first episode ever was that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think this show would appeal to you. I don't think it would either. Yeah. No, I agree. I think you're only watching because you know these characters and you love them and now you're sort of interested in what they do. Yeah. MVP. I'm going to give it to Jamie. Same. He had a lot of good lines. Yeah. Same. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it was good. Jay Frank for you too? Yeah. What was your favorite scene? Um... I think my favorite scene, probably the one, even though Jeffrey was the MVP, I, I like the scene between Claire and Fanny. Yeah. Where they had that heart to heart. That was a great scene. And I was thinking about it. I also love, the thing that I loved about that scene was that Claire really seemed like a doctor. 
Like she was, the way she was sitting, she was hunched forward. She was listening. She was sympathetic, but she was also a little bit detached, but Mm -hmm. she was like taking it all in. She was providing advice, but lightly, right? Like she, and she was obviously very disturbed, but she didn't express that until she was later talking to Jamie in in the privacy of her own sort of conversation. But when she was in front of Fanny, she was extremely professional. She Mm -hmm. was... I, I really liked Claire in that scene. No, and I mean, Claire's always stuck to her doctor roots. Like, even with the Mr. Beardsley, the man, like, because of her Hippocratic oath, she's like, I have to treat him. Like, I don't know what you think about this guy, but I, I have to try and save him yeah. if I can. And Claire has always, uh, you know, held strong to that. Yeah, you know, like she very is a doctor first. strong. Yeah. 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 And Jamie respects that. He does. So my favorite scene was probably that first scene with Jamie and Claire. I, I really, really liked it when he comes home oh. and they're talking and stranger she says, I'm going to come with you. Yeah. Yeah. The stranger in the dark. Yeah. And I, I, I loved, I loved the writing too, with the notable exception of, and I always will, but I thought it was, I really liked that. The and that's, was nice. that's how I always pictured Jamie and Claire in the later books. They, they were acting that out very well. Speaking of picturing Jamie and Claire, mm-hmm. this is something we talked about in the episode. And I, I would like, this is again, a question for the, the loin listener. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have, in, in season four, they aged... Both uh, of them. They bo- aged both of them up. And I feel like in this season, they've dialed that back. Like, uh, especially Jamie. Sam Hewitt does not look as old to me in this season as he did in the season before. You see his glasses come out less. You He he just doesn't seem as old. fresh-faced look. Yeah, he looks younger to me. I think that this... I mean, I remember watching interviews with them after they finished filming season four, or maybe season three. Season three, because that's when they did the jump, the 20-year jump. Yeah. And the two of them were giggling, and because people were asking, like, oh, what was it like to play someone 20 years older, and how did you approach that? And Katrina Balfe kept saying, oh, we just went method, right? Because it took us so long to shoot right. and like look at our faces. And But I think what's happening is both those actors are now 40. And I mean, Katrina Balfe has nary a wrinkle on that face. Like there is some serious work, good work being done. You called Botox at one point. I, I think, I mean, I think both of them, I think everyone in, in not just Hollywood, any, everyone is interested in it. And how right. can you not when you, like they are new actors for all intents and purposes, right? Yep. Like... They are very, I mean, they're well-known, but not that well-known. Well, this show is still their big break, their only break, right. really. So as 40-year-old actors, they're doing a ton on the side. Exercise, appearance. Like, I, I think it's just the two of them are doing everything they can to reverse the aging process while inconveniently <laughs> acting in a show them. where they are supposed to be aged. Considerably older. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but I just, I just find it interesting that Either they're not trying as hard to make them look older or they just don't think people really care. I think they think people don't really care, which we don't, do we? No, we don't. Do, but I, I mean, how often are you thinking they don't look 50-something and 50-something? Right. Well, I just... And I noted it earlier where they had a scene where you had uh, Jamie and Claire. I don't... Or no, it was Claire, Jamie and Brianna. Jamie and Brianna, yeah. yeah. And they weren't... I don't think they were actually on screen at the same time, but they cut back and forth yeah. between them a few times. And it was like... Jamie could be <laughs> her love, her love interest. interest. Yeah. Like they don't, he doesn't look yeah. old enough to be the father of how old is she supposed to be? 22. Not even close, you know? Yeah. So 
Uh, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, I just I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's neither here nor there, and it doesn't really matter. But but they just seem to care less about it. Yeah. Well, they're beautiful actors, and I think on as a whole, the audience just wants to look at beautiful people. Yeah. I think you're right. What was your least favorite scene? Mm, my least favorite scene was... I don't know. There's nothing in this episode that was actually stupid you know this mm-hmm. is first I, I don't know if i've ever said that um oh maybe it should get more than 65 uh i guess was it that, when they showed all the birds because you were like why is this become an alfred hitchcock movie <laughs> I, that seemed weird i we did watch the matthew b roberts meryl davis mm-hmm. thing after the show and i i kind of understand like they were trying to show i guess what were they called uh Fleeing pigeons, carry some sort of pigeon that mm-hmm. that is basically extinct now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at one time there were these giant clouds of pigeons roaming around. But it just sort of, it really came out of the blue, and it seemed like something that had, I, it just seemed out of place. Like I feel like on the cutting room floor somewhere. There was a scene where they talked about those pigeons and alluded to like it just seemed really random and mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. that all of a sudden there was a bajillion pigeons in the air. Yeah. Out of nowhere with no explanation whatsoever cut the black. So that was your least favorite scene then. I guess, yeah. Right. It wasn't dumb, but it was just shoehorned. So mine was probably when Claire is giving the details about how Fanny kept him alive to then burn his feet and then have them heal and then like anything involving that man like he was just it the whole thing disturbed me so much but that's the best kind of bad right like it wasn't bad because it was bad it was bad because it it hits you yeah that's it was the just good kind of yeah bad. but i don't like that's not my that's not my kind of entertainment like the whole this episode was very well done but it was like a horror movie and i am not into horror movies i will say just to bring up what you said about that scene where Jamie's looking in the window and Fanny suddenly her face appears. I love that Jamie, like he's so comfortable in his own skin. He never seems scared. He just is so, Sam Hewen knows this character so well. You can almost hear what he's thinking. Like, oh, there's a, yeah, better go to the front door. Wide face lost pretending she's not in there, but I'm going to have to go back to the door and (laughs) try again. Like, He just doesn't get nervous, and I love that. You can't shake him, and that's very Jamie from the books. Right. And speaking of books, that's another one in the books. That is. We did it. Yet another episode of Lloydlander. Thanks for listening, and thanks for waiting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry we're a little late. Next time we'll be on time. No more trips for us. Well, I mean, (laughs) okay. All right, good night. Okay, have a good week. Welcome to Laglander, the most jet-lagged Lloydlander Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. Is that for the outtakes? Because I hate it. Then yes. Yes.